here is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome in to the Glenn Beck Program. It's Barkley in for Beck today as we get ready to ring in the new year, 2023, and we say goodbye to 2022. Usually this time of year is kind of slow, especially in the news cycle. Well, not, not these days. It's like drinking from a fire hose. But those stories continue to come true. I want to talk to you about what you think might be the biggest story of the year, even though we're not done yet. It could, could drop between now and when the ball does. Plus, I want to hear from you on predictions. 888-727-BECK is the number. And we continue. We're joined by Harmeet Dillon with one of the biggest stories of the year after this on the Glenn Beck Program. folks hanging on and uh want to get to you on the phones at 888-727-BECK and maybe even a prediction for next year one of the stories that uh, that uh, just dropped <laughs> is uh, or trump's tax returns oh yeah they finally got him folks don't you know they finally, they finally this is it they're gonna get him so they've released these the democrats in the house released these last minute on friday before the end of the year, you know that. So you know there's nothing in there. There's nothing. It's a big nothing burger, just like everything else. But, uh, you know, they finally got them again. Here we go again. So, of course, folks are combing through it right now, trying to figure out what, you know, if there's anything worth talking about in there. I will tell you that, uh, I again, uh, this is just like everything else in my book. I... I <laughs> Don't hold your breath. Let me just put it that way. Another big story somebody mentioned uh, over on Twitter, at Mr. Justin Barclay on Twitter. You could connect with me anywhere, justinbarclay.com if you want to connect. Send me a message as well. Your predictions, your big story. But say, the, the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, this is the thing about this year. There's been story after story after story. And I have to say it's like drinking from a fire hose. I mean that. They come at you so fast and furious. I think part of that is intentional. They don't want us to be able to catch your breath and really think about, process what is happening. Harmeet Dillon joins us right now with a big story. In fact, a big win. A win for Trump. A win for justice. In the uh, January 6th committee, uh, rescinding that Trump uh, subpoena. Harmeet, appreciate you joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me. So give us the history. Just brush us off on some of this. Uh, obviously, you've been an attorney for President Trump. And uh, in fact, you're you're also running for to, to be the chair of the RNC. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a little bit. But uh, just give us sort of the brush up on this story and and the big win. Well, sure. So as we know, most of the last uh, two years in the House has been dominated by this January 6th committee, which supposedly was to fact find for legislation, which is really the only legitimate purpose of a House hearing. But in fact, they hired Hollywood producers and they had, you know, various breaks and interruptions and all this drama it was basically a long extended ad for Democrats as to, you know, why Republicans should not win the 2022 election and President Trump should never be allowed to hold office again. And so that was kind of the, the purpose of it. And you would think that if that's the purpose of it and they really want to 
you know, hold people accountable or what have you, they would actually subpoena the star witness, you know, pretty early on in the process. Right. Um, that is a year and a half ago. In fact, they didn't do that. They dragged a lot of other folks through the vote, including a lot of my colleagues at the Republican National Committee. Um, they had a lot of testimony. And then after they produced the one piece of legislation out of this committee, um, the Electoral Count Act, then in late October, they issued a subpoena for President Trump. Mm. And so, you know, President Trump's team uh, hired my law firm, mainly my, my two partners on the East Coast handled this case. And we negotiated with them and said, hey, you know, this subpoena is very overbroad and, you know, this is you know really not warranted by any proper purpose of Congress and so forth. And, and so, you know, we weren't able to reach an agreement. So we went and filed a lawsuit in federal court in, uh, in Florida to, to, to quash the subpoena, to basically say that the subpoena is, as a matter of law, is illegitimate. It's not properly issued. It's overbroad. It also, most importantly, violates separation of powers. And, you know, in that, we were citing the fact that dating back to the beginning of our republic, a former president or even current president has never been forced to testify in Congress. Congress is a co-equal branch of our government, and, you know, the executive branch has its own prerogatives. And so um, we made that argument in court. We served the House uh, Democrats in the House committee in, in a prompt fashion. And they chose not to issue in court. You know, they could have shown up and gotten a ruling from this federal court. They could have moved to dismiss the case. They could have defended their subpoena. They could have, uh, in other words, staked out their position. But they didn't. They let the year lapse without showing up in court to defend their subpoena. And then they quietly withdrew the subpoena uh, two two evenings ago on Wednesday (laughs) evening. We got an email from the House saying, hey, by the way, that subpoena, don't worry about it. We're we're withdrawing it. So what is my takeaway from all of that is the whole thing was a made for TV charade. They never actually wanted or thought they were going to get this testimony. They knew that constitutionally it was infirm. And, you know, they, they cost so many people millions of dollars to produce this report that is not a document that really i think holds legislative weight at all it's it's a it's a political document and that is a total abuse of process of of uh, of congress and so you know it ended up happily in this case but all of uh, my friends at the rnc and so many others who were spending their own money to come before this committee uh you know it was it was it was such a huge waste of resources all around yeah, and it's par for the course for what uh, what they've been up to here. Um, it's it's the latest, but a big win, and we we move forward. Part of that moving forward is we've been looking back at the last year, but uh, big stories and maybe predictions for the new year. You're running to be the chair of the RNC right now. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about that because uh, you know folks are you know they're looking for change. That's one of the things that we continue to hear about. Um, you are you know you're talking about this what are you looking to to do to change party leadership what do you want people to help you know you do with that and and how would you like to make that happen well well thank you so we've had um the same chair ronna romney mcdaniel for six years at the rnc and she actually you know did not have a contested election at that point, she was the chair of the Michigan GOP when uh, President Trump was running in 2016. And 
uh, you know, she helped deliver Michigan for him uh, and famously invited him there many times. And as a result, he did win that state. And so she was rewarded for that by President Trump in, in installing her as the chair of the RNC. This is this is typical in our in our party structure. But, you know, he's endorsed her several times after that. And, and now she served six years. And in those six years, we've lost the House, the Senate and the White House. And that's no one person's fault or, you know, specific policies that we can point to, you know, that are necessarily responsible for that. But when you're the leader of a party and the party continues to sort of not win elections and the same policies are in place, you know, we're not engaging in early voting coaching of our um, of our state parties or training people on ballot harvesting and and um, and chasing ballots and ballot curing, which is what you have to do to compete with the Democrats, whether we like these laws or not. And we don't like them at the Republican Party. But, um, you know, until you can change those laws, you have to take advantage of them. We have not been leading on that issue. Uh, we are not motivating our voters to get out and vote frankly, with our with our rhetoric or our uh, reference to our policies, we're not drawing a sharp contrast between ourselves and the Democrats. I think ever since dating back to the Russia collusion hoax at the party, we've actually been letting the Democrats set the stage. We've been letting them set the tone. We've been constantly reacting to their propaganda and lies and 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 bad policies. And as a result, we have lost touch with our base. Um, our base is not happy with us. And that's what I hear as a, as a media commentator and as a Republican activist who's also active on social media. I hear from hundreds, if not thousands, of Republicans on a weekly basis what they think and what they'd like to see us doing better. And, you know, it's not breaking through at the party level. The party is very top down. And it has been that way since before, Ron. I would say, you know, there's been no contested leadership election in 12 years at the RNC. Hmm. So that's, that's the background. Now, what I would like to see change is we have 168 very um, qualified members of the RNC with a lot of different skills. Some of us are good in communication. Some of us are good in data. Some of us are good in strategy, uh, fundraising, you name it. And so we immediately should be harnessing more of that energy. We have to be competing with the Democrats to get our ballots into the ballot boxes hmm. as early as possible in the process and not emotionally appealing and, you know, putting out expensive ads that political consultants get their 15 percent cut on and just hoping that people will show up. I mean, the Democrats had Katie Hobbs and John Fetterman and Joe Biden elected. Mm. So I think that proves that you can get a absolute nothing burger elected if you have the mechanics to do that. And we have good candidates. We have better ideas. We have better policies. But we don't have that infrastructure that the party should have been building all these years. And so that's one thing I would do better communications and and and, you know, overall, freshen up the party's image. I think that that's needed for confidence of our voters. And so many members of Congress and senators and even major donors have been calling me and saying, thank God, somebody's stepping up for a change. You know, we we don't wish anything negative about you know, the, the, the current incumbent, it's just that if you have an organization that has been stagnant for some time, be it a corporation, be it a sports team, be it a political party, you have to have change. And, and if, if our chair were to get the fourth term, she'd be the longest serving head of political party uh, dating back, I think, over 150 years. So you have to ask, how, do we have the results to merit that? I don't think so.
You know, uh, one of the things we hear in Michigan, uh, where I'm based, is a lot about grassroots and the and the, the getting the grassroots together, working with so-called establishment and folks in there. Grassroots wants to take back the party. What does that look like, and how do you get those two together? And and is it is that possible? I think you you really need them both uh, in order to compete. You know, somebody told me this the other day. Great question. What's a Democrat word for rhino? There is none. <laughs> they don't, exactly. They, they don't have it. So, uh, so, so, what, what's your what's your answer to that? I mean, I, how do we do that? Well, look, I mean, it, you, you can't have the shareholders running the corporation directly if it's a you know public corporation. There have to be some layers of management, and there have to be some professionals who are hired to do the work as well. And so, the question is, what do we have right now in the party? I think we have. You know, I mean, you know, Rana was going into this election before I entered it with pretty much, you know, two thirds of the members of the RNC saying, yeah, this is great. Let's have two more years of this. Okay, so what does that tell you when 100 percent from what I'm seeing of polls out there of the base of our party of members who are contacting the members of the RNC? They're saying we want change. Literally, I mean, that's every email I'm getting is saying we want change. Nobody's saying let's have two more years of the same. And so we've lost touch with the grassroots of our party. And that is, I don't want to bore your listeners with arcana of how people get elected to the RNC, but, you know, with, with, with myself, I'm in a four-year term. So I got elected in, in 2020 and, you know, I could do anything I want pretty much unless I'm recalled, which never happens. Um, for, for four years, I could ignore the grassroots and, and I would never be held accountable for that. And that's exactly the situation that we're in, in the party. And so the members of the RNC are not even elected directly by Republican voters. Republican voters elect their state party. And so I'm one of those people. I'm in the state party um, as a delegate to the state party. And then the state party delegates or precinct committee men or however the structure is in the state, they elect the members of uh, the RNC. So what we are seeing in the, in, around the country, interestingly, is those state parties are beginning to revolt. And, you know, in some states, they're holding meetings, they're asking for a vote of no confidence in the chair, and they're asking for uh, a change in leadership at the RNC. And so that's actually been a pretty impactful, and I've never seen that in my all my years of Republican activism. I've never seen that kind of revolt at that political grassroots level in the states. And, and that's encouraging, you know. Do we have enough time to pull this off? I certainly am picking up steam amongst um members and calling them and spending most of my day on the phone convincing members as to our issues with respect to fundraising with respect we've to got to hang on hang on one second army laws. we got to take a quick break i want uh, one more question for you when we come back about the next steps and what people can do to help army Dillon joins us right now she of course running for chair the rnc and, and uh, the big news the big story about president trump and of course the subpoena dropped there in the house back with more right after this the glenn beck program We had it rough in Michigan, but it just was it was all over. That red wave was a bit of a red trickle in some ways, although we did get the house. Um, One of the things that I heard, particularly the day after the election, was the disparagement of the folks just feeling um, just like like hopeless. Some folks saying I'm never voting again. Harmie Dillon with us right now running for chair RNC. Um, let me ask you, what do you do to encourage folks to stay engaged in the process and make sure that they do make a difference? Well, the first thing you do is be responsive to their demands by changing the leadership of the party. 
you renew your commitment to our core principles and values, which we don't hear a lot. We haven't heard a lot about over the last few years, but hey, we have a party platform that lays out, you know, pretty, pretty detailed, you know, sort of principles and policies that we would like to see accomplished. You encourage candidates to run who are consistent with those policies. You, you know, you kind of, um, you get back in those communities. Now, you know, the chair has tried to reconnect uh, with with or connect actually for the first time with some communities who haven't voted Republican by putting community centers in you know ethnic neighborhoods and you know that's sort of a step in the right direction but you kind of only reach so many people that way I think we need to just you know really be having a having a commitment to some four principles that attract people of all different backgrounds and the more messengers we have of different backgrounds, young people, for example, is a huge category that our party has virtually ignored. In fact, you know, the fact that some of my friends are active in Turning Point USA and are supporting me for chair has led to a backlash against young, young Republicans, believe it or not, you know. Mm. And so, you know, which is crazy. Those are the future voters. Those are the ones who are most likely to vote Democrat. And it is actually so inexpensive to reach those voters through the use of tactics like like young social media influencers you know if you and the democrats use them you've seen these goofy goofy videos of these you know goofy you know left wing and people in the white house of being this you know tiktok mm-hmm. influencers and mm-hmm. instagram influencers when you compare the cost of having a stable of young communicators on your team compared to what we spend on advertising and direct mail and other like old school garbage that isn't really working it would be uh, a game changer if we actually, instead of, you know, like looking down on these young people who want to get involved and want to see some change in the party. How about if we involve them? Like, I love that. So bad. I love that idea uh, of engaging these people because they are waking. We've got a lot of young folks that are very engaged and are waking up, and they are very uh, concerned about the future of this country. And and they, uh, I I think there's a big movement happening. So I I appreciate. The idea there. Harmeet Dillon, I want folks to, uh, we got to wrap because I know you got to move, but so do we. But where can folks find you uh, online and, and connect? Twitter, I'm at, at P-N-J-A-B-A-N. My website for my campaign is uh, Dillon, D-H-I-L-L-O-N-F-O-R-R-N-C.com. And, and thank you for any support. God bless. Appreciate you being here with us today. Harmeet Dillon, we're back in just moments talking to you. Biggest stories of the year and predictions still yet to come for the new year. 888-727-BECK. You can join the Glenn Beck program next. The Glenn Beck program. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. That's eight 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 seven two seven Beck. Justin Barkley in for Beck today on the Glenn Beck program, and I want to hear from you. We give you a little bit of a time here at the end of the year, the last show of twenty twenty two, and I'm I'm in some ways because it's Friday too. So in some ways, I'm handing the show over to you. So I want to hear from you. Biggest story of the year? Maybe it's a story that didn't get. The notice, the attention that it should have. But you believe, biggest story of the year. Uh, also looking for predictions coming from next year. Any that you want to add? Uh, uh, it's hard to tell. <laughs> what? 
anybody asks me all types of what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there, and I always say, I mean, I don't know. I know God is on the throne, though, and that's the only certainty I have these days. In fact, I'm not even sure what this way is. Merry Christmas. Did you say Happy New Year? What do you say during this time of year? A lot of uncertainty this time of year. Not really sure. I'm not the only one. In fact, if you saw this, uh, guess it was a little bit before the break here last week. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, also very unsure what to say. Strong bipartisan I vote. Yield back the balance of the, my time and wish everyone a happy, healthy, and safe New Year. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Schwanza. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Wait, Whatever what? it is you celebrate. Happy, happy Schwanza. Merry Christmas. Happy Schwanza. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Whatever it is you celebrate. Happy Schwanza, folks. Maybe that's what we should stick with. What day of Schwanza is it? Does anyone know? I'm not I'm not up on my Schwanza festivities although maybe i'll see if i can look that up triple eight seven two seven b-e-c-k back samuel in virginia called earlier tried to get him back on he said that biggest story of the year i, I tend to agree it's got to be some maybe that border crisis in some way samuel but you also had a prediction too for us yeah so um i, I was going to say that the, i think the border crisis probably is one of the biggest um topics and storylines of this year um Kind of like what Nikita Khrushchev of the Soviet Union said years ago that we'll take America from within without firing a shot. And I believe mm. that's kind of what's happening to America right now with the invasion at the border. But um, I'd say my prediction, though, for uh, 2023 is that we could potentially see a stock market crash the likes of which we've never seen. And I, by the way, I like what you said. God is on the throne and he uh, he's watching over all of us. So thank Amen. you. Amen. Hey, thank you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Stock market crash bigger than the likes of anything you've ever seen, he said. Write that down. Maybe we revisit these here, come again next year, and see if anybody. I, I hope not, but boy, I tell you, the financial uncertainty, that is a big theme for what we're seeing uh, unfolding right now, but also on the horizon Kevin in Tennessee, triple eight seven two seven Beck at eight eight seven two seven B E C K. Biggest story of the year, and maybe a prediction. Kevin, you're on the Glenn Beck program. Uh, good morning, Justin. You're sitting in my hometown for forty five years, but I got out of there because I couldn't stand the politics of uh, what's happening in Michigan. You can vote Republican on your side, and the other side takes over, and then they win. My my biggest story for twenty twenty two is how the red tsunami turned into just a trickle and they became way overconfident and they were infighting so much with McConnell, not backing the senators and spending his money. And he's part of the cabal up there that we need to get rid of. And my prediction for 23 is going to be the same thing that the Republicans will just turn right around and fall flat on their face because whenever they take charge, they don't know how to lead. And you've got and you see the fight already with McCarthy. He's nothing but another Ryan. So if we're sitting here looking at it now as Republicans, we're going to be shaking our heads, and the disappointment is going to be even greater in '23 because they they've proven in the past that they're just nothing but part of the swamp up there. And, and I tell my friends this, Justin, this biblically: when Christ, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was ripped in the temple. 
Well, when Trump walked in, he ripped that veil where everyone could see it, what's going on up there in Washington, and it's just nothing but garbage pit. Mm. And the American public can see it, but I just cannot believe that once they hit their knees, and they weren't praying to God, they hit their knees, but now they got to get their faces pushed into the mud to really realize and wake up, like the last gentleman said, the border and the economy, the stock market, everything is tumbling, but take a look at how they failed. The Republicans failed in this last election. They've got to change. And I like this. I like the gal you had on, uh, Harmony. Boy, I tell you what, that's what we need. Get rid of McDonald or Daniel, whatever her name is. And let's get some fresh young blood in there that wants to fight. And let's get our country back again. I don't know what it's going to take. But uh, he's right. God is on the throne, and that's the only thing we can really take faith in. Justin, thank you for everything. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to your brother. And Happy Schwanza, Kevin. Whatever, whatever that is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. That was uh, it's Nancy Pelosi's Holidays. thing. Merry Christmas, Happy Schwanza, Happy. <laughs> Yeah, I, whatever it is you celebrate. Yeah, whatever it is you celebrate. Happy. Sh- <laughs> I'm sorry that Kevin uh, uh, ran off so quickly. My my question was because I think this is very important. But let me let me just pose this, and you think about it too. But what is? He said much of uh, what's coming in the next year is much of what we've seen before. Maybe some of it gets, is going to get worse. Mm. how bad does it have to get that was one of my questions the day after the election was you know how bad does it have to get what what do you what do you what do you need to see here (laughs) you know everything gas prices everything gas to groceries through the roof and you thought, you know, like, I think folks tend to, maybe that was part of the issue with the, the red wave, not really, you know, showing up in the ways that uh, some thought it would. You thought, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is, this is, this is so bad. Things are so bad that uh, there's just no way. There's no way that we're going to continue to elect Democrats. Folks, I'm in Michigan. All three. I, I called him the the evil trinity. But all three of those of the trio that the Michigan, the governor, the attorney general, and the secretary of state, all three were reelected. And in fact, in the, the district that I'm in, a, a Democrat got elected for the first time. Was it ever? No, no, maybe, maybe ever. But in a long time. Uh, in my in my congressional district, I just, how I just how is this possible? How bad does it have to get? One of the things that I'll mention when you're talking about the big stories, and I said, hey, I, I don't even know if you want to talk about what the biggest stories are of 2022. Maybe there's stories that we haven't heard yet, or that we're not really paying close attention to. And the reason I brought that up is that this Twitter stuff that we're hearing, the FBI and the Twitter files and all that. I mean. If you're not familiar with it, Elon Musk buys Twitter and now is releasing detailed information, emails from behind the scenes that show and uh, that basically reveal that our, our speculation 
they were censoring uh, conservative voices. They were deplatforming folks. They were they were banning people. They were shadow banning on accounts. The the Hunter Biden laptop story. They were causing that to not go out and course make it out anywhere. That's another issue, right? Well, they were working not only that, we're working behind the scenes with the government to make it happen, the FBI. My question about this is, does the average person even know that this happened? You go out of the street. You talk to a few people. You take a poll. Do they know that any of this actually took place? Are they hearing it? If a tree falls in the woods, so to speak, well, if the story happens, but it's not getting covered anywhere else. And I'm sure that the government, the FBI, whoever it is, I'm sure that they have nothing to do. This thing that happened at Twitter was only at Twitter. It wasn't happening at Facebook. Oh, come on. Now, just, just, you're a conspiracy theory. You're a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theory. So you think it was happening there or anywhere else? The networks are mainstream media newspapers, etc. Uh, and, and you know, you're spreading that dangerous disinformation. But are, is anybody hearing these? Of course, you are. You're plugged in. You want to hear these stories. Talk radio, big for that. The podcast is streaming. I think some of the word is getting out. In fact, alternative media, you might call it, becoming more and more powerful. But yet, has it quite reached the tipping point? For folks to wake up. In other words, my question, how bad does it have to get? More coming up, plus your calls, 888-727-BECK, and at 877-BECK. Barkley and for Beck today on the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Miss a day, miss a lot. Visit blazetv.com today and never miss a moment of truth. You can connect with me at justinbarclay.com, B-A-R-C-L-A-Y.com. Send me a message and, of course, uh, find me all over the place there. But I I, I got to mention um, the news. It just doesn't stop. This is, a, this is a thing. It used to be this time of year you'd have all these, you know, puff pieces and all this, like, best of the year type thing. But they are working overtime. News doesn't stop. Well, that's why we're here and, of course, com, where you... Well, you get all these stories. The story about this Andrew Tate guy, and then this is, if you don't know who he is, you'll be hearing a lot about him, I'm sure, in the coming days. And him and his brother arrested in Romania. It's a former Ultimate Fighter and a businessman, I guess. And they say now alleging, the reports are, arrested in some sort of trafficking, human trafficking sting, and, and it, who knows what the truth on anything is anymore. Uh, but there are folks on both sides of this uh, skeptical and then yet uh, people that are just because he was such a controversial figure and at one point canceled on social media for saying the wrong things, you know, of course. And um, and then and those folks are just absolutely ecstatic. But it's just really strange to watch some of this and the proceedings now happening in a Romanian court. They're trying to decide whether they're going to continue to detain him and his brother, Andrew Tate, and his brother for, what, uh, 30 days. 
So we'll find out what that looks like. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. Another big story, and again to wrap up the year. Uh, but before we do that, let me go to Jamie, who has some information. We just found out that we are celebrating. Uh, it, I don't know. One of the days of Schwanza right now. Schwanza, Nancy Pelosi, of course, making a point. Schwanza, happy Hanukkah. Happy Schwanza. I don't. The happy Hanukkah. I don't. What is Schwanza? What, what? Christmas, happy Schwanza, happy. <laughs> what, what is Schwanza? And what day are we on right now? I think Jamie may have some information for us on this. Jamie in Virginia, what day of Schwanza are we on? Well, happy Schwanza, Justin. Uh, it is the time we celebrate home food delivery services, also known as Schwanman. <laughs> now, today is the yeah. fifth day of Schwanza, where uh-huh. we celebrate chicken and broccoli. It's a healthy alternative, seeing as tomorrow is Pork and Black Eyed Peas Day. Oh, okay. Uh, Oprah be commended for her Schwanza affirmation. Nestled in between Christmas and New Year's and just after Festivus, it's widely forgotten. Yeah, yeah, it's you know good for her because you know some of these folks are marginalized that uh, that celebrate this day. Jamie, I appreciate the phone call. Thank you very much. The the, the guy that did, delivered the Schwan guy, right? That delivered the frozen food. That's. That's that's beautiful. Jerry in Florida up next on the Glenn Beck program. Jerry, what's the biggest story of the year and maybe a prediction for us? Well, I, I think the, the FBI colluding with uh, Twitter and Facebook and all the other tech giants to circumvent the First Amendment, uh, that's got to be the biggest story. I mean, if that's not treasonous, I, I don't know what is. As far yeah. as a prediction, and you can take this to the bank. This isn't just a prediction. This is what's going to happen. The Republicans are going to have all kinds of hearings. They're going to lay out everything that the FBI and the Democrats did. And it's going to be people will say there's no way these people aren't going to jail. And then nothing will happen. In fact, McConnell will try to get the people in in, uh, the House arrested for even asking questions about this. Uh, Jerry, I hate to say it, but I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think you might be pretty accurate. I might want to buy a lottery ticket or something today while you're at it, Jerry. Jerry from I knew, Florida. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to say that, but this this is just history. This is going to be a great big dog and pony show. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and I, my prediction for 2024 is Biden is going to get rid of Harris and bring Fetterman in, and, and uh, they'll get 160 million votes instead of the 80 million because the Democrats always double down. Wow. All right. Well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. There you have it. Uh, Jerry, going all in on predictions. Um, and, and by the way, I love doing this. Maybe we'll revisit these uh, next year if I'm um, at the honor of filling in again last show of the year, the Glenn Beck program. Stay up to date with all of it, theblaze.com and, of course, glennbeck.com. You can get the podcast of each show and more wherever your podcasts are found, Glenn Beck. Com. Connect with me, justinbarclay.com. In for Glenn today. Barclay. In for Beck on the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program.